0: Matthew chapter 16. I'm just going to read one verse of scripture. Just play till I'm done. Um, J.D. been taking care of me. He's a great guy, man. I appreciate you. I I call him J.D. How many of y'all remember J.D. Walker? J.D.'s revenge. Uh, Y'all young people, just Google him. Google him. And uh, I've been calling him J.D. He checks on me. Sometimes at the most inopportune time. He really does. Deke. I appreciate you for transporting us, dropping us off last night at 9.30 to the hotel. I don't know where you went after that. What time did he get home? One o'clock in the morning? He left us at 9.30. All right. there is uh, something I just want to leave with you, Uh, you know, uh, uh, not trying to preach anybody happy. I get a chance to preach all over the world, but um, I'm just believing I'm supposed to deposit some truths, some things that will help you get to the next level um, and where you need to go and understanding the whole purpose of the church and, and why we gather and why we meet and why God has connected you to these visionary leaders. So, um, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. I need a little bit of monitor up here, a little bit. I already paid the sound, man. Not that. Never move that fast. Never move that fast. Always creep it until we stop it to the point. Just barely touch it until I say, there you go. Just leave it there. Check one, two. This is the day that the Lord have me. And uh, I, I gave him some money and I said, now, if you mess it up, you give it back to me. <laughs> I gave my screen girl some money. She can't mess up. She's just too cute to mess up. She's just way too cute to mess up. I asked her, was she 14 years old? She said, I'm 24. I just missed it by 10 years. Everybody in your your respective places, I love you already. And the way you serve, with the excellence that you serve, uh, from... Those greeters and ushers who point at chairs and all that stuff, I appreciate you. <laughs> My mama taught me never to point, don't be pointing. I walked in the other day, he said, Right here. I went back to the back, the guy was standing there. He said, This way. I said, Man, stop pointing. <laughs> I don't think he knew who I was. He was looking at me, No, you need to go this way. I was like bump you. <laughs> you gonna you go get to know me. <laughs> I am uh I'm a lot like Jesus. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I ain't changing. <laughs> I'm just who I am by the grace of Almighty God. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said unto him, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I need about ten people to say amen. amen. Whenever you hear the reading of the word, you punctuate. When they found the scriptures in the days of Ezra, they began to read the word from morning to noon. And the people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. And some lay prostrate before the Lord because they had been a famine for the word they didn't have. That's how precious the word is at this hour. That's how precious the word is for this moment. I'm going to tell you when to quit. Why are you so hard headed? Why are you so hard headed? I said, I'm going to tell you when to stop. Didn't I tell you that? I'm going to have to bless him before I go to man. One thing about me, if I'm going to cut you, I'm going to pay you. It be worth your while. Talk about me. They'll know at home, if I I talk about your dress or say something about your hair, I got to get the hair done, I got to buy you a new dress, whatever, I never talk about people, cars or houses. That's that's a nice shack you got there, boy. Man, the projects. I love living in the projects, I Yes, sir. I had a it just like that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't talk about nobody calls the house, but if I talk about your shoes and stuff, I gotta I gotta get them for you, so. If I talk about somebody not playing when they got to play, I got to pay them. I got to pay them. <laughs> now, now, seeing that you're that type of audience, I want you to, when I give you this topic, I want you to pay attention to the spelling and I want you to lean in with me and don't, don't freak out on me until I'm done. All right? And uh, he said, Therefore, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From the topic. I'm here because I heard y'all are raising hell. I'm here because I heard y'all are raising hell. Father, thank you for this time. Bless me now, God. Please touch my mind, my heart. Thank you for those who are home in Jacksonville worshiping you and hearing the word. Take care of my wife and all of those that you've put in my life till I return. And thank you for JD over here. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. Now you may cease. (laughs) I'm here here. because I heard y'all are raising him. As you heard, I came to St. Pete for the Royal Rumble. And I'm here because... Actually, um, I met a man that was magnetic enough to keep me from driving back home to a class full of preachers this morning where I teach homiletics and a congregation that I've been assigned to by the thousands. But I've met some very kind people yesterday uh, when I came into the leadership meeting and I felt right at home, right at home. My son and his sons came with me and... um, and they're the one who actually corks me to come to the Royal Rumble, along with our marriage pastors, who just so happen to be wrestling fans as well. They decided to join us. We've actually gone to WrestleMania in Houston, Texas, before um, together. And um, it was extremely rowdy in that dome last night 48,000 people. Wow. My mama would say that they would just raise an H E double L wow. off up in there. And um, so this is the impetus for what I'm going to share with you today. Topic being, I'm here because I heard y'all are raising hell. Now, you'll appreciate the topic of this message once I give you some understanding of Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Remember, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So there is literally in Caesarea Philippi. A place known as the gates of hell. It's a physical place. It's a place that is at the foot of Mount Hermon. It's there. I got a bag. At the foot of Mount Hermon. The gates of hell were known to be a place of extreme debauchery, all right? All kinds of immorality of, of every kind, blatant um, sin. And a place where there was the worship of many false gods. Right now, before I go into farther, does this sound familiar? Yes, I mean, debauchery, blatant immorality, the worship of many false gods. Yes. And that's what we're dealing with today. Yes, so when Jesus said the words, "the the gates of hell would not prevail," they were literally standing on a rock. Mm-hmm. So when He says, "upon this rock," He necessarily wasn't talking about Peter as he was using this metaphorically and he was standing literally on this mount at the foot of it with the gates of hell right there. So the opening to that gate was symbolized as the entry to the place of the damned that people who entered those gates would be damned, would enter into the abyss, would enter into a place of devastation. So it was in the midst of this pagan setting that Jesus said to his disciples that he would build a church that would stand against and prevail against the worst evil that this world has to offer. In other words, Jesus was telling them that they would literally have to raise hell. So I would define what is meant by raising hell? Remember, I'm here because I heard y'all are raising hell. Walk with me. So is our God given assignment as believers, as those who've been born again, those who are filled with the spirit of the living God. We are to, and I'm just, you remember this when I'm gone, raise hell on earth before you go to heaven. All right. Hopefully, I'm looking at a whole bunch of hell raisers. (laughs) I'll leave that alone. First of all, when you understand the purpose of gates, you realize even the more what Jesus was saying because gates are defensive mechanisms. They are designed to keep something out and to keep something in. When gates are there, you, you, you keep something out or you keep something in. So the job of the people of God is to go to the gates of hell or take the kingdom of God where the rule of Satan is and establish the government of God. Uh, we're commissioned to go into all the world. We're commissioned to uh, transform uh, nations. We are to disciple nations, and God wants to send us to where the activity of the enemy is. He hasn't called us to be extremists, to not go, to be so sanctified that we can't touch nothing. He's not called us to be so uh, centristic that you overhear over here and just blending in. And so many people in the church world today are too churchy for the world and too worldly for the church. So he's trying to call us to be either hot Cold, and he wants us to be used for him. So it's the preacher's job to help remove anything that's preventing the people of God from experiencing the kind of life that God intended when he sent Jesus into the in the world. That's Zoe yes, life, that God kind of life, life the way God intended it to be. There's bios, it's a Greek word where it's just routine, routine, mundane existence where you get up, you brush your teeth, right. some of you wash, take a bath. Uh-huh. You, you go, to, you go to work, you, you come home, you, you, you take care of the kids, you pick up. It's just routine. And after a while, you'll be like, I'm so bored. I just I need some me time. I, I need a girl trip. I, I need to get away. So you charge up a trip and then get deeper in debt. Now, you even, now you're broke and mundane. <laughs> and you can't do what you got to do. So our problem is people have built their own church. And people have focused on physical buildings and church membership. When Jesus said, I'll build my church. So we're supposed to be literally hell raisers. And here's the explanation of this title. This is um, hell raisers, raisers with a Z, right? The word raise, the word is on the screen means to destroy, to tear down. To pull down, literally to demolish. So come on, y'all ex-coaching folk. We used to sing, Satan, we're gonna tear your kingdom down. Yeah, we just say that. Satan, we gonna tear your kingdom down. Y'all remember that? You've been building your kingdom. All over this land, but Satan, we're going to raise your kingdom down. So the the whole purpose is to tear down the kingdom of God, to dismantle it to destroy it to pull it down to demolish it and that's what's meant by raising hell so for all of the sanctimonious high minded pious peacocks of God's zoo as if no sin if you done looking down your ecclesiastical nose at me like I said something wrong (laughs) tear down down. so then I'm here because I heard y'all are raising hell So I want to leave you with some substance, some formulas for success. I want to show you how to continue to raise hell when I'm gone. Because there are what I call three pillars of success. Three pillars of success. I need all of the educated and all of the smart and want to be smart people to follow me. Three things that you need to know. Before you go and see Jesus, and while you're here on this earth, three things that you need to have an understanding of, three things that are the backbone of success and prosperity for any local church or anybody of believers on this planet that will work in any community if you understand these three things. Number one, you need a strong ecclesiology. A strong ecclesiology is just a study of the nature, the purpose, and the structure of the church. There's a whole lot of church abuse out here. Uh, Miles Monroe who was a good friend of mine. we born on the same day. Before he died, he talked about abuse. Remember, he taught on what abuse is. Abnormal use of a thing. When you don't use a thing properly, it is abuse. Two old English words. Abnormal use. You put them together, you get abuse. And so many people are abusing the church. They think this is some glee club or some fraternity or sorority or something you join in. But the culture church did have this right. You just can't join him. <laughs> got to be for So, you need a strong ecclesiology. You need to understand why you're here. You need to understand how you got in here. You need to understand how you stay in here. Number two, you need new methodologies and strategies new methodologies and strategies. And that's one thing I pick up with this ministry and just talking to this man and woman of God in particular, Pastor John, when we were in Jacksonville, is that he's, he's able and, and willing to uh, try new things and, and, and step out of the norm. You know, being over here in this industrial park area of the city, in this building transformed from a free will Baptist church, you know, you had to come in here and do a whole lot of work. Not even physically, but spiritually. To get people's mindsets right, be able to come in and to be able to hear what God is saying, and then to implement new methodologies and strategies. God gives us creative, witty inventions, and there are things that God wants to do. Some of you are sitting on uh, a new invention or something that could, that could change the world. That could change the world. I have a guy affiliated with one of our churches who just invented uh, a a hook, just a small piece of equipment that will keep a tractor trailer from jackknifing. And NASA is putting it together now. They offered him $490 million uh, just to let them have it. He said, "Mm mm-mm, y'all going to rip it off. Y'all going to make more than that. He'll take no less than a billion dollars. so you never know what's, what's there but also new methodologies and strategies in reaching people and you got to know what bait to use when you're trying to win people, when you, you got to know how to relate to people you got to know that, and then thirdly for all of the spiritual people, the power of God, the power of God see, some folk be like tripping, they be like I don't know about that theological stuff the eschatology and all that kind of stuff and new methodologies and strategies but you need it, power for. power for Lord. love power, 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 What you need is power. You need the, the power. You know, a lot of people, you know, overemphasize the power without the new methodologies and the strategies, without ecclesiology, power is nothing. So what happens is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, even speak with other tongues, it doesn't make you goofy or spooky. It makes you relevant, And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and there were Parthians and Medes and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Pamphylia, people that had come there for the feast of the festivals that were taking place annually at that time. And they heard them in their own languages speaking the wonderful works of God, right? They were able to relate to them because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you weird and strange. You might quicken, quicken, but my God, you're going to be able to relate to the meth addict. You're going to be able to relate to the prostitute. You're going to be able to relate to the homeless. You're going to be able to relate to the incarcerated. You're going to be able to relate to the, y'all not helping me. You're going to be able to relate to people. It gives you power to be able to minister to folk effectively, and they understand what you're saying, and you know who they are. So being filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't make you spooky. It should make you relevant. So this message is about being or becoming a transformational church. Say that transformational church and transformation is simply change, change. You guys are deliberate in being change agents and transforming the lives of your members. I want to say that to the Andersons and um, they're deliberate. Now, I want to I want to just lay this out to you so you'll see where you are and who you are. Because you're transforming your members. And um, when you transform these members, you can transform this community. God has given you a burden for St. Pete. And this is Pinellas County. And you've got work to do. And you're doing it deliberately and purposely. I just looked at your stuff this morning coming in. Some of the small groups and the things that you're doing and the stuff that you're being intentional about. And enabling people and equipping people. You're not just a leader. You're an equipper. Yeah, and the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, and you're equipping them, and that's a wonderful thing that you've been able to do that. You're transforming their lives, right? But let me tell you why I'm here. A transforming church or transformational church needs a transformed or transformational leader. In my short time with Pastor John and Pastor Kim, I know they've been transformed. I know they've been changed. And I'm so glad Pastor Kim has been changed because if she act this way saved, I just can't imagine. Can I get one witness out there? I said to myself after I had dinner and stuff with her, I said, Lord, I should have met this lady before I got saved. I'm glad you didn't met this lady. But, but um, they've been changed. And uh, what we're doing in Jacksonville is a result of me understanding that I, too, have been changed. I have transformed. I'm not your typical preacher. I'm not your typical pastor. I'm not your typical. I mean, we believe in manifestation. You know, a lot of people got a lot of talk, but I don't even practice what I preach. I preach what I practice. And so, so many people have these prophetic utterances and stuff, but no manifestation. We've been able to see manifestation. And so, my testimony was simple, man. I was at home with a glass of Jack Daniels in one hand and weed in the other, and Prince singing tonight we we'll my party like in 1999. <laughs> I was sitting on my couch, minding my own business. God, remember my witness, and the light was shining in, and I was just miserable with life. Didn't know I had a God-sized hole in me. I just started weeping in the presence of God. When they were singing, Come Jesus, sing that song right there, girl. I almost threw this microphone up there and hit you. (laughs) Because that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what was going on. And Jesus was coming in, and he was... I'd never been to a church before, but that one time, and I slept and was high, and and then after I got saved, I was three months, uh, three weeks before I ever even got a hold of a Bible, and then I finally broke at my mama's house and stole her Bible. She was gone, <laughs> and I read the Bible twice before I ever went to a church service. Wow. This is why I am what I am today and what I do what I do today, and when I finally went to a church service like a month and a half after, I got the man, and they... I was like, what's going on? They were, they were learning the vows. And sometime, why hey, I owe you, and sometime why. Hey, Does anybody remember them days they were living the out And I had no idea what was going on. I had come in there, and I had—I had never had a suit before. I never wore no suit, just rent or tuck if I had to have an affair or something, an affair, a a, a, an evening affair. Not. <laughs> and so um, I came in. I had a 19-inch neck. I played ball. I was about 245. I had a 19-inch neck. I had on a shirt that was 15 inches. I never tied a tie, so I went to the store and bought a clip on tie. I had it down here on the second button down here because it wouldn't fit up here. I couldn't get it close. So I had it right here. I had on a pair of pants so tight I had to jump off the dresser to give it. I'm on the dress page, you know you had to add a lime green push bush comb because I had a shag, you know, pull me. I had a line in my pocket. And I went to the church, and I walked the aisle, our first time in a worship experience. Now say, I'm crying all the way there. I get to the door. They open up the door. I come in. They sit me. And then I just get, I ain't sat down yet, right? And I'm just up there. They started taking my comb. They took my, like I'm going to choke on it or something, you know, like I'm going to hurt myself. They fanning me and stuff. And then, that's why I couldn't give it to you today. They tried to take my Bible. And I had that big old Bible, the one you sit on the dining table when you come in there. I had it under my arm. And they started trying to, like, like I was going to hurt myself. And so I was pulling with the lady. I said, no, ma'am, we'll pull with the lady. And she pulled and went back and fell. So now I don't come to worship for the first time. I don't knock the lady out knock the lady down. That's how I started. That's how I started. The first time I ever took the Lord's Supper, I was the pastor serving it. The first funeral I ever attended, I preached it. The first wedding I ever went to outside of my own, I performed it. Never had any training. I had been to a church service three to four times before I preached my first public sermon. I didn't know how to do nothing. When they put that Lord table, it was like they had a sheet down there with, and it had lumps and stuff. I don't know. I ain't never seen that before in my life. And I asked what it was. They said the body... In the blood. I saw the head and the stomach, I said, he got a big old belly, big old know nothing. I knew nothing. So, me not knowing nothing, me having been transformed because my expression is I was a no good, good for nothing, no doubt, the road, back, 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 home homongering, sinner on my way to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, with he loved us, saved me. Don't look at me like that. In such words, some are you. But now you are washed. I, when I got to that part right, like, that's me. That's me. I know you're out there. So let me, let me hasten. Let me preach here a little bit. I, I used to do that. I had no type. Of a physical model of a transformational church, even though I had been transformed, I saw no church raising hell. I saw churches raising hell. But I saw no churches raising hell. You know what I mean? So I told you pastors this Friday night over dinner that I found my model for how to live this new life in the Word of God. So it started with me finding out my own purpose for existence. And I read from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28, these words. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and, to, and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The verses before that, and God created man, male and female created in them. And God had made his man and had given him a mandate to be fruitful and to multiply, to replenish and to subdue. And Genesis 1 describes. It is the original mandate of man. Notice that verse 26 says he made them male and female, but he made them one called their name, Adam. This is important because later on, the Bible says that Christ out of twain made of himself one new man. And that one new man we know now as the church. So Jew and Gentile were brought together the blood of Jesus Christ, the wall of partition was broken down between them, and now you have this one new man that is his church. And I think it's safe to conclude then that God wants his church to have the same mandate that his man had from the beginning, the one new man. That is, the church should be fruitful and to multiply and to subdue and to take dominion and to increase. Somebody say increase. Increase. So in Jacksonville, Florida, that's exactly what we did and what we're doing through a simple concept of synergy, right? Where the sum total of the individual parts equal more than the individual parts by themselves, all right? Where, listen, in synergy, it doesn't take, Bishop, 150 more people to get done what you got to get done. Synergy can be just one person coming in and with the capacity and the ability to do a benevolent benefactor Who God runs your way and you can get done more with one person than you can with another thousand people. I have two cousins that are rocket scientists and they are working right now on the combustion engine for NASA to keep the heat from the combustion that comes out from melting the metals too quickly. And so they do a combination of things. And so at first they were like adding all of these metals to the existing metal or the existing structure that's there. But then they discovered that it wasn't that. There's one metal that can bring it all together. So they didn't need another five or six metals to strengthen it. They just needed that one. That's the law of synergy to where you can come together. And I don't know who God might send your way. But all somebody has to do is catch your vision. All somebody has to do is just to hear what God is doing and see what God is doing in the spirit realm, yes. and uh, like uh, I'll tell you that in a minute. So you got to see this, the of sinners. So we're now in possession of over sixty-something million dollars worth of the devil's property, oh, the on, and we're debt-free. Yeah. Right. It, it was the devil's property because it belonged to him and we took the kingdom where his gates were and raised hell and now we're in possession yes, of, of places that were once prostitute infected and crack and drug and meth infested areas, hundreds of thousands of square foot worth of, uh, of facilities and all debt free because we went in raising yes, sir. raising hell. So, so here's how we did it. A transformed people pooled their resources, obeyed God through the visionary leadership of our church, and we all raised hell together. There's, there's a verse that says, believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. But believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Right? God will keep you. But a word, an oracle, a revelation, a revelator can move you. Yeah. Uh, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And he gives us passions according to his whole heart. We feed it with knowledge and, under- and, and understanding. And he gives us people that will speak as the oracles of God so that you'll know what to do. Because without an oracle, the people catched off restraints. They don't know what to do. But when somebody comes along and says, push, hey! you're standing there holding right here. You got to have somebody tell you push. You get tired of just holding up a stone. So you need somebody that can move you. So my wife and I pulled together a motley crew. It was just my wife and my two kids, and we pulled together a motley crew of of, of broke, stressed out misfits, and we transformed a dilapidated, crime-infested area of our city without a federal city, state, or local philanthropic gift or dollar. We called it Design on a Dime. (laughs) People just came together and pooled their resources. A motley crew, just like those in the cave of Abdullam yes, with, with David, who eventually became David's mighty men. They were broke, distressed, and didn't fit in nowhere else. So they joined a church on 7th. I mean, they joined Exceeding Grace. So let me, let me show it to you. You already have the key to success. I done checked you out. From what I can see, your pastor's already gotten the revelation that they are to equip and not just to lead. Because just your vision. Your, look here, the Lord has assigned an anointed y'all, to bring the message of manifestation of kingdom prosperity to the Tampa Bay region. <laughs> this is a place of salvation, healing, and deliverance for the world. You guys are teaching and training and empowering believers to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ with the world. Y'all trying to teach people how to soar, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Serve the Lord over the world, advance the kingdom, and reach the lost. Man, y'all raising hell, you Y'all building strong families, vibrant and seamless communities, thriving commerce, making folks spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially whole. Y'all raising hell. Here's why I believe God is pleased with y'all because you guys understand that you are anointed to equip people where you are, not where you think you should be. Uh huh. I've had leaders tell me that if they went to another city, that if they had another location, that they had a bigger facility, bigger buildings, better facility, that they can get more done for the kingdom. If they had more, they could use their anointing at a greater level, even be more transformational. I just need this, and I just need that. But I told y'all already, here it is, 1 Samuel 22. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men who were with him. Notice that they came to David in the cave. David's anointing was not for someplace else or for a different people. He was anointed for the ones that God sent to him on seventh. He He was anointed for the ones that God sent to him in that cave where nobody can see you. Nobody knows where you are. It's dark in a cave. You don't come to the cave to be known and to be be special. You don't come to the cave to get special attention. We can't even see you. You come to the cave because there's an anointing in the cave. You come to the cave because God's got something for you in that cave with your broke self, with your distressed self, with your. God has a plan for y'all and you're great. And God brought you here. And I told y'all, you are a motley crew. I look at y'all, I see us, a motley crew how many broke folk how many of you came in here broke now you done learned some principles on how to give how many of y'all came in here you were distressed and now your head is lifted up how many of y'all came in here you didn't fit in nowhere else but you found your rebuke you found your place right here that's what I'm trying to tell you he was anointed to all of them that came to him on seventh day I mean in that cave he was anointed for them sit down because y'all make get me nervous here it was a motley crew, stressed out, broke. Didn't fit in anywhere. I'm going to say that again. Broke, stressed out, and didn't fit in anywhere. But those same people became David's mighty man. Those same people began to run through troops and leap over walls. Those same people, matter of fact, they were the ones who financed Solomon's temple. Because they came broke, learned from David, and now they were the ones that raised the biggest offering ever and built that temple. If you can't transform people where you are, going someplace else ain't the answer. So y'all need to learn how to celebrate this place here. You need to learn how to thank God for where you are. Stop telling people where well, one day we're going here, one day. All right, tell them that is vision, but don't act like you ain't satisfied with where God put you because where you are is where God wants you to be. You can't be here and wishing you were somewhere else. Your mind can't be here with us and your body on the other side of town, and your body can't be here with us and your mind on the other side of town. Bring your body and your mind together and celebrate God right. Here, where you are, somebody throw your head back, reach back down, and shout it here. Now, sit down one more time because key to this whole thing is tied to your ability to hear the Lord. I heard Pastor John say yesterday that when you you say something twice, you mean business. That that you're serious. I mean, this is speaking twice, it's called a double annunciation of deity. When you find it in the Bible, maybe if you two words stick together, truly, truly, verily, verily, so so God is getting ready also to do something different. So whenever you hear two words put together like that, something's about to shift. So Genesis 22, 9, and they came to the place which God had told of him. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Now, some of y'all, when God speaks, Abraham, Abraham, you don't know whether it's a stutter. Moses stuttered. You don't know whether, you don't know what God sounds like. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Notice now, God had told him to go kill his son. He had waited, here and Sarah, for years for this boy. Now, here this boy is grown now. He's a type of Christ. He's 30, 33 years old. They're walking up the hill together. He got the wood. He asked his father, Father, I see this. I see that. Where the wood? Where the sacrifice? And he said, just come on. God's going to supply a sacrifice. They get up to the mountain. They take the knife. Abraham, after he build everything and put the altar there, was fitting to run the boy through. And then a word came, Abraham, Abraham, kill him. Don't kill him. Whenever God speaks twice, something's about to change. And there was a ram th- stuck in the thicket. And there was a lamb that was there, a ram, that was for the sacrifice. And so Abraham didn't have to kill him. So they come back down off the mountain and the people are down there saying, Abraham, obey God. Don't he always obey God? He does everything God tell him to do. He just got up and left his family and his kindred. Abraham believed God, and God accounted him for righteousness. So uh, look here, Abe. Uh, uh, just got a question for you. I-, I thought you said God told you to, to uh, kill the boy. And uh, he did. And he said, well, uh, your boy is still with you. Yeah, yeah, he gave me a second word. See, you'll, you'll never hear me this. You'll never ever be successful doing what God told you to do. You'll only be successful if you can do what He's telling you to do. Had Abraham done what God told him to do, Isaac would be dead and I wouldn't be here for the Royal Rumble. Y'all got to hear me here. But because he was able to do what he was telling him to do, so when you, God told you to buy this building, God told you to get that piece of property, God told you to sign this note, God told you to do that. Yeah, God told you to do it, but what's he telling you to do? Now, so every good preacher can say, "Ah, y'all go ahead and follow me. I know y'all talking about that didn't work there, that didn't work there. It didn't work because God said, John, John. It didn't work because God is speaking another thing. God is saying, no, kill him, don't kill him. God is saying, buy, don't buy. God is saying, go there, don't go there. I know y'all looking at me cross-eyed and and carried on, but every good preacher in the country needs that verse of scripture because when they come down off the mountain to the business meeting, they'll be able to stand up and say, well, I know what I told y'all, but that's what he said. Uh, Now, here's what he said. I told y'all we had a relationship with this group and, and that group and this one and that one, but here's what saying now you've got to be able to obey God now you got to be able to do what he's saying not what he's saying. So many people are stuck in these buildings and stuck in certain locations and stuck in certain denominations and stuck in certain orders and stuck in certain teaching and stuck in certain stuff because that's what God told them to do. But ain't nothing like opening up your mind and your heart to what God is saying to you right now. And God is saying to y'all right now exceeding grace get ready for whatever he's going to do and it may be different than anything he's ever told you. You're going to hear some things and see some things you ain't never heard before and it's not because he didn't tell you that but he's telling you something else can you handle a second word now sit down because there's some enemies in here there's some enemies there's always enemies to transformation there's always enemies to a transformational church There's always enemies to hearing a second word from the Lord. There's always enemies of obedience to God. There's always enemies of the vision of God. There's always enemies of the move of God. There's always enemies of the beginnings of God. The enemy wants to stop you before you ever get there. There's always tried to kill them in the wilderness because of doubt and unbelief. Tried to get them when they crossed over into the promised land with Jericho staring them in the face. Seven nations greater and mightier than them. What you have promised you by God is in possession of somebody else right now right now whoever has your new facility you ought to just send them a letter right now if you ever seen it say keep the yard cut keep the grass cut keep the windows clean we're on our way God says I'm driving them out little by little come on there's no new land there's no God's going to give you what's already possessed by somebody else he said now when you get there wherever you place your feet wherever your feet shall sharp I'll give it to you but God is owned by somebody else some of y'all looking at me driving through that neighborhood looking at that house and you believe that that's your house yeah keep driving by there keep driving by there and make sure they're keeping the grass cut make sure they're keeping it they're getting it ready for you adding on a den for you they adding on a fire pit for you it's gonna be yours it's just a matter of time but there are enemies to this stuff there's enemies to this stuff here we go four enemies of transformation four enemies of transformation number one religion come on follow me number one religion Religion. Religion is man's activity and what man does to think he's pleasing to God. So you can be ushering and be just lost. You can be a camera person and be just lost. You can be a deacon and be just lost. You can be religion. Religion is human activity that you think pleases God. It is man's efforts to be right with God. Religion, man, have you seen religious, when we're talking about religious people, we're not talking about pure and undefiled before God. We're talking about a bunch of activity that God ain't even, that God winks at. We're talking about activity where you just come together perfunctory and do your thing. I got to be there on time. I got to do what I got to do. I've been a junior deacon. I'm a deacon now. I was in the junior choir. I'm in the single choir now. I'm an associate minister and one day these people don't act right. I'm going to have my own church. I'm going to do my own thing and this and that. I mean that's just religion man. You're black on first Sunday, white on second Sunday. That's just pretty head teas, midnight night, musicals, waistline parties. That's just Easter country. Come on y'all that just stuff that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Things that some of y'all stayed away from the church. Some of y'all got tired of being caught up in that religion and that come on y'all. And so you were just like I'm out of here. Then you heard about a preacher that had got you know then you heard about a word and it wasn't a whole lot of them. It wasn't no big old facility like some of these other places. High steeple and few people. It wasn't something like some of these other places where you can hang a side of beef and keep six months. You can ice skate to your pew. No you came in there with a handful of people on fire for God. Singing songs that were worshiping Him, dedicated to the king of kings and the lord of lord no hymn book no stand on the first and the second and sit down on the third no songs like that look and I never raised well I did raise some hymns back in my day I raised a few hymns I raised a few hymns then I got married but you got to understand that God is doing something and religion hello Hello, bro, bro, I'm serious, bro, I'm serious. Let me get me me finished, let me, religion, religion is an enemy. Number two, tradition. Jesus said by keeping your traditions, you make the word of God of none effect your traditions, man. You can't be so, tradi- I'm Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, holiness, holy Baptist church of God, church of God, and cry, church of God, written in heaven on Sunday morning in Jesus' name. That's just not the way we did it. We don't do it like that around here. Let me show you how tradition works. How in fact, this revelation one day, I was pastor and I went to a program, Martin Luther King program, and they had the elementary school that was their county school, and they had a microphone up here on the thing, and the teacher gets up on the microphone, and she gives her a little speech and welcomes everybody, and then she puts the microphone back up there. Another middle school kid comes up, takes the microphone, and talks in it, puts it back where they're there. And then a smaller kid comes up, takes the microphone, and put the microphone on the floor. And so the next kid comes up, picked the microphone. This is a true story. I told it many times. Off the floor and talked in it and put it back. And then another little kid put it back. So like eight them kids giving their Martin Luther King speeches, right? Putting it back on the floor. One of the teachers gets up, Finds the microphone on the floor, picks it up, the stand is right here, talks in the mic, and put the mic back on the floor. Because tradition said that's the way it was when I got here. And the whole lot of people who just stuck on the way it was when you got here, stuck on what it was when you joined that church, and you're stuck in tradition, but the mic stand is right here in front of you. How many people in here want to put it back on the mic stand? How many people want to line the church and put it back in God's hand? Put it back where it's supposed to be. Make it transformation. I'm, I'm, number three, ignorance. 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 The Bible said, now if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant still. He, he lays it out. He said, here's how you abuse the spiritual gifts. Here's how you do that. But if you're going to be ignorant, be ignorant still. Ignorance just simply means that's not a negative word. Don't somebody call you ignorant. That just means you don't know. You ignorant, man. To that. You know, they might say it in an ignorant way. <laughs> but ignorance is just, I don't know. I, do, I just don't know. And and so many people say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about now. He talking about, what are you talking about doing now? Talking about what? What are you talking about now? I don't know about that. Look here, look here, Lee. If you're ignorant, don't let everybody know you're ignorant. Listen, don't be telling everybody you don't know. <laughs> you know everybody know that. And listen, this is what we teach J.D. back in the day. The one-eyed man is king in the kingdom of the blind. Yes, sir, man. If you can't see it, just get with somebody who can see it a little bit. Ain't got but one eye, but when, you, when you're following them, you, if all y'all blind, you got to get you a leader that can see a little bit. Just a little bit where we at now, Bath. I hear water. Is that a waterfall? <laughs> what about just keep following me, baby? I got you covered. I can see, boy. I can see where we're going. I can see where we're going. Well, I can't see nothing. That's why you need to follow. Just hold on. You just need to hold on. If you can't see nothing, just shut up and follow. If you can't see nothing, if you don't understand it, just shut up and follow. But then lastly, the enemy is the last enemy is the law of first truth. It's the first thing you heard. Why would somebody that you love lie to you? Why did your first bishop lie to you? He wasn't lying. He said this. The Bible said that if you ain't baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to hell. And that's the first thing you heard. So now when you hear somebody baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, you call it a three-headed demon because of the law of first truth. And I could go into that. I had a roommate at University of Tennessee, a white guy that had never met a black person before in his life. And I wound up being his roommate. And all he had was everything that his papa and his, his daddy had told him about black people and it was all wrong. We became Brian Song. When it was over, he became my best friend. We are, be- I mean, my God, I nobody like him. Jimbo Edwards, I will fight you over this man. But when we first met, we fought. We physically fought because of the law of first truth. So let me finish this, y'all. When you know why you're here and when you have guidelines like you have that keep you from compromise, you can become a transformational church. I saw yesterday your vision on the screen for new members and for baptisms and all those things for this upcoming year. It's always good to have vision and goals and objectives, and, but means and even philosophies and that guidelines, core values that keep you from going astray, that keep you focused. But it's pretty obvious that you can have impact, y'all, and y'all got to get this before I go back to Jacksonville, without a whole bunch of people. I got a book that I'm writing. It's called Mega Church Impact, but church is scratched out. It's just mega impact. The front of the book will read mega church slash crossed out impact, mega impact. You may never have a mega church numerically, but you can have mega impact. Jesus took 12 and turned the world upside down. You can have, them that have turned the world upside down have come here also. You can have mega impact in this community and how. There are four ways to do it. Every local church should do it like you're doing it. Number one, educational impact. I was so blessed to see your uh, homeschool uh, connected and and folk and, and your willingness to train all your kids. And your kid turned out good, too. Yeah, they look good too. Look healthy, like Daniel and them Hebrew boys. They, they look fairer than the rest of the other folk here. Yeah, her daughter came into the room this morning, and I looked at her, I looked at them, she was kneeling down together. I say, You did that? You, you produced that? Yeah, that's pretty good. And, and they're sharp. Uh, so, educational impact. We have a Christian academy with hundreds and hundreds of kids, and uh, we're well known around the world, around the country. And God has blessed us, but we wanted to make sure that we didn't complain about the school system, we just started our own. <laughs> Number two, economic impact. Economic impact. Well, you, you know, you've you got to impact a community e- economically. You've got to create jobs and vision and have places for uh, vendors and people in your church, entrepreneurs, to combine their their, their, their energies they synergize and come together and, and have an enterprise center and if you ever come to Jacksonville we own a mall i mean a real the 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 second fully enclosed mall in the state of Florida we purchased it 400,000 square foot a facility, uh, and, and we businesses and shops and stores. I can't even begin to tell you the numbers of businesses that we started in stores from a federal credit union to law offices to Greyhound bus terminal to, I mean, you just name it. I mean, restaurants, financial services, stuff. It just, it's just there. 22 lane bowling alley, fitness center, indoor pool, jacuzzi, steam room, sweat, there's stuff, just stuff, event centers and virtual offices, just stuff, just stuff, <laughs> <laughs> economic, and and thirty percent of our employees are unhireables. They're convicted felons, folk that they were going to throw away. I got, I got thugs. I don't have an alarm system on any building. All those properties, I don't have an alarm because I got thugs working there. I got thugs. They'll tell you in a minute. You mess with this if you want to. They say I, I, I got them, Bishop. I, 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 we're we going to take care of that. We saw a dude last night. We're going to be riding tonight, now Here we go. So, so. So economic, listen, listen carefully. We, we employ over 260 people full-time, Full, full-time. We're the largest employer in the west side of all of Jacksonville. And it's just absolutely, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, then you have social impact. You gotta feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the jails and the prisons, the nursing home, the hospitals, take care of the widows and the orphans, the outcasts, the disenfranchised. You gotta take care of the people, the pathos in your community, the pain and the struggles that people go through. You gotta have a burden of compassion for the needy and the broke and the and the lame. The poor you'll have with you always. And you've got to give vent for them, you gotta make way for them, you gotta embrace them. You don't take them and say, sit under my foot because they don't have the principles down pat just you don't know what the hell people have been through and people have been divorced and left and robbed and and raped and maimed and people have been uh, mentally abused and and sexually abused and going through some stuff and we got to have a burden for them we got to be able to say oh i don't know how you got the condition that you're in but we love you with your crazy self we got you Come on in with your crazy self. No, you don't look like us. You don't dress like us. Matter of fact, you done changed to a pronoun, but we still love you with an everlasting love. And God loves you and has a plan for your life. I wish I had somebody. And then lastly, spiritual impact. Spiritual. And I'm done, y'all. Just a second here. And, 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 And spiritually, you know, by the way. And I'm going to show you how that works because we spend so much time spiritually, we do nothing temporally or physically. And this is what we're known for around our city uh, and around the world. We've accomplished this through what we call Luke 10 transformation. Mm-hmm. It says, number one, you come into a city and you bless that city. It should be on the screen. You bless that city. You speak peace to them. No, it's not on there. Don't worry about it. It's not on there. You speak peace to them. And then you fellowship with them and you listen to them, and then you minister to their felt needs. You address the needs, and then you tell them the kingdom has come. If I was moving to, to uh, St. Pete and beginning the ministry here, I would smell the atmosphere. I would come in, and the first thing I would do, and I'd say, God, thank you for putting me here. This is my assignment, God. Thank you for allowing me to come into this area. Now, God, give me a burden for these people. Now, let me meet the people. Then I would fellowship with them, find out what the needs are, what's going on, who's who, who's running the streets, who's doing this and that. You fellowship with them. You eat with them. And then you heal those that are afflicted and you you take care of the felt needs of them. You feed them because nobody wants to know how much you know until they know how much you care. So, you feed them and then you tell them, you know why I'm here? The king. Has come to you. Yeah, to, I come here to raise hell in your life. I, I come here to bless you. So bless them, fellowship with them, meet their felt needs, proclaim the kingdom. I want to leave you with something to look forward to. I need you to tell somebody right now, or just say it as loud as you can here comes the church. <laughs> Come on, say, here comes the church. Jesus said this to his disciples before he left. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That word that go means to take a journey, to take a walk. In other words, get the stepping. Tell somebody, get the stepping. Shipping Like that, these folk right here, get the stepping. Just, just get the stepping. It's not just a commissioning to preach, y'all, but it's a commission that includes what to preach. And that's where we are in the church today. Got a whole lot of preachers, but folk don't preach nothing. Uh, every word should be weighty. Every word should have a response of what is my responsibility? What should I do? I didn't need no drums. I ain't need that right there. I ain't need that right there but since you over there you can do whatever you do right there any flat but don't you hit them drums on nothing about i don't do that and don't you try to follow him to six four five one yeah one four five six don't you follow him on that over there and listen to him this boy i'm gonna tell you about him later so i know you the pastor son no where the pastor son he was over here right why well, you ain't playing today they told you about me huh all right So what should we preach? So, so if you don't know anything else among you, if I don't say nothing else to you, remember this. I don't know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord is Jesus Christ. He came, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothing, lived a sinless and impeccable life. He laid down his life. It was persecuted and beaten and, and messed up and marred and he died on a Roman cross and was buried and three days later rose again and I try to get the boys in the hood to understand that I tried everything else but until I heard that message I was lost and on my way to a devil's hell but once I heard a story about a savior came from glory it changed my life and y'all need to get that the birth death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to keep Jesus at the center. First John three, eight says for this purpose, what the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we are the body of Christ and it's time to stop going to church and stop having church. And it's time now to be the church. Here comes the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a secret order this. It's not a denomination and it's showing our church because it's his church. And he said, upon this rock, I I'll build my church. The early church was as radical and as powerful as it was purposed to be because Christ was here and his disciples grabbed a hold of it and we're now built on the prophets and the apostles. It was a counterculture that was empowered by Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, and and they became hostile, agile, and mobile and they transformed those pagan places in which they lived. When they showed up, demons trembled. When they showed up, healings took place. When they showed up, miracles would take place. And in the midst of the social economic and political moral chaos in that first century church Jesus raised up an ecclesia his church that became a revolutionary transformational life giving force that turned the world upside down none of that was possible without the oil though without the oil without a mantle without an antel your, your, your anointing determines the level of your activity uh, how heavy God is upon you and, and, and how greasy you are determines your your level of activity you have to be anointed or the things that you see in the spirit yet to be manifest will not come to pass yesterday was a symbolic gesture given to us by God as, as the oil flowed on the heads of pastor John and pastor Tim. We had a spontaneous a, a move of God to where God says I need to do something to affirm the vision in this house. I need to do something to affirm this man of God and this woman of God. The people of this church exceeding grace needs to know that your pastors are not novice and your pastors are not crazy. You need to know that somebody's got their back and that there's something that they've seen that god already showed them that will come to pass and he's given y'all a model now of how you can become all that you're intended to be you'll never be exactly like any other ministry you got your own unique personality and you are who you are but there's a dna match there's just something there you want to be connected with people that Think like you, act like you, walk like you, talk like you, live like you, and know God like you know God. For they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Good God Almighty, this mess that we're in out here right now in the world is a job for the church. The transits, the homeless, the beggars, the hungry, the needy, the addicted, the racist, the gangbangers, the thieves, the robbers, all this political divide. And what's about to happen in our country, it's all a setup. God has let everybody of this happen on our watch. God knows we can handle it. I don't care what it looks like. God knows we can handle it. We have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. God knows we can handle it. But Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Never forget partnerships have got to be formed. i got to get this in. I was going to stop, but let me get it in. It's okay to partner with city officials. It's okay to partner with philanthropic donors. It's okay to to partner with the Cyruses of this world. We've got to partner with community first responders. Governmental agencies have funds and they can't understand how they're going to change things. They don't understand our hoods. They don't know uh, where to turn. But I promise you, we (laughs) know... because Ray Ray and Pookin and them off up in here right now we know we come out of the hood how many of y'all came up out of the hood how many of y'all got family in the hood you know what makes them tick you know what they need you know what needs to happen there and the government is trying to put some money in some places to help with housing and to help with families and to do those things why not partner with them why not say okay as long as you don't mess with my vision I can tell you where to spend that money and I can get it hooked up right I wish I had some help in here based on the word in Matthew 16 we've got to um, convince them that what we're facing is no match for the church. When I sit in these meetings with the mayors and the governors, I was appointed business ambassador by the governor of the state of Florida. I won Entrepreneur of the year in the entire state of Florida Jim Moran Business Institute, Florida State University. i never had a business course a day in my life but God gave me acute wisdom on how to do business. I've sat on boards of television stations and boards of big companies and all this kind of stuff, ain't never had no business course whatsoever, but the favor of God on my life And the anointing of God on my life made room for me when I walked into the room. They look at me and say, who is that right there? That's got to be the CEO of something. That's got to be the CFO of something. I guess it's just the way I walk. I I guess it's just the way I look. I don't walk proudly. I walk humbly. I come in with a sweatsuit on and they say there's something about that man. It's not the outward adorning or the plaiting of the hair, the putting on a Oh, It's that hidden man of the heart. It's that meek and acquired spirit which is in the sight of God of grace price. Come on, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at a man's heart. That ain't him. That ain't him. That it, that's him. Good God. Everybody. And that ain't him. That ain't him. That's him. Somebody say, that's him. And so you got to look at the heart of the matter and what drew me here is the heart of this matter you got people in this room haves and have not and the wall the petition has been broken down political walls have got to be broken down you got people in this room and watching online I ain't forgot y'all that have not had hope that need help that need opportunities in life and you get an opportunity that you'll never had if you keep listening to what God is saying from this pulpit you're going to be able to experience some things that you never ever have experienced had you not been raised in hell for these past 25 years or so I wouldn't be here today reminding you that God's got a wonderful plan for your life he loves you with an everlasting love so I don't care how far you've gotten away where you are the prodigal was in a hog pen, but he came to himself and he says, I will go home to my father. And the father was looking for him, saw him afar off and ran and fell on his neck. Somebody, let the father fall on your neck today. Let God bring you back home. So listen, if we ever close these doors in Jacksonville for one day, there'll be lines of people and crowds of folk whose whole day has been disrupted. Can you imagine being that type of synergized place? <laughs> that, that, that type of place where you become the hub and the, and, and, and the epicenter of your community where people have to come by here every day where the doors are open 24 hours a day where you don't have security or build on nothing. You got people there taking care of the needs of people. Come on, the community in the church because the church is in the community and people can't ignore you because of the favor of God on your life, because of the anointing of God. And by the way, ain't none of this coming to you. I'm going to tell you this because I got to share with you before I go. You got to get up and go get him. You can't sit there and listen to the preacher preach his guts out and you don't do something about it. You don't sow into it. You don't show up and serve in it. Come on, you don't make an effort to help the whole up his arms. Hold up our arms. I wish I had somebody. So let's serve notice to that lying devil here comes the church here comes the church there's an army rising up they ain't but one Lord one faith one baptism one God and fathers above us all through us all in us all anyway they ain't but one church but I'm going to tell y'all this. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church what does that really mean? watch this I told you gates are defensive mechanism y'all get ready for this because this is going to be a little different and so when you uh, have gates you put them up to keep something out keep something in Right? The thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The devil has stole some of our joy. Stole some of our peace. Come on, stole some of our righteousness. Stole our family members. Stole our children. Stole our marriage. Stole some of our minds. But when Jesus comes here, when you realize that he's going to build a church, when you realize that what's going on, then you can go to hell. Go to the gates of hell and take back everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Uh, I got to tell somebody this. got to tell somebody this. I told you that when you're saved, before you go to heaven, you got to stop by hell and raise some hell. So so you got me now? In order to get your stuff back, you got to go to the gates of hell and demand back from the enemy what he's stolen to you. Uh, so what I need you to do, you probably want to do this for 25 years. I want you to look at somebody or turn to somebody and say, go to hell before you go to heaven go to hell before you heaven Jesus went down into hell and took the keys of death, hell and the grave. and he said now I give you the keys I give you authority I give you power somebody shout I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here because I heard y'all are raising in hell, tearing down the gates of despair in the hearts of the minds of people, battling against the current pathos, everybody standing if you can, I just want to, as one exceeding army, stand together that you're tearing down things, you're helping young people to realize that this thing is real you're getting people involved in smoke I mean, I just took a look this morning if I came in, I said, man, I should have looked at this last week, I'd have had something to breathe <laughs> when I first said I'm here because I heard y'all are raised in hell. How I many of you just for a moment said, what? <laughs> let me see your hand. They'll be honest with me, what? Say what? But we you know what you did? You trusted your pastor that he wouldn't just let anybody. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you see how religion and tradition and ignorance and law first truth can impact what God wants to say to you one of those things could have put a wall up and you thought I was cussing you thought that was an inappropriate title when God calls us to be hell raisers to go to the gates of hell and establish the governmental rule of God and take over we went into one of the most dilapidated communities in Jacksonville and literally took over. We stuck our stake in the ground. Four beautiful locations of just activity. Forget the buildings. They just housed the activity. Hundreds and hundreds of people a day, thousands total a day on those properties all day long. All day long. If we were to close any of those buildings, people's days would be ruined because we're there raising hell. And I believe that God is going to use you guys to raise more hell than anybody around him. And when you start raising hell, people are going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I told him I first facility when they walked in they saw Idella saw it my son said last night and Harry said man I thought I was back on Seaboard Avenue our first facility was very similar to this now we have our children's church seats a thousand people right four thousand people in the auditorium you know and other facilities. I still have the old sanctuary. I still have the old gym. I still have the first thing, the second, the third, I still have those buildings and old facilities too. Hundreds of hundreds of people. That could, I can do conferences with hundreds, hundreds, thousands of people, thousands of people. But we didn't start that way. They came to a cave. Distressed, discontented, and misfitted. discomfort They didn't fit nowhere. How many of y'all found out? You couldn't stay Baptist, you, you, you couldn't stay Methodist, you couldn't, you couldn't even stay coaching. Shonday. You just didn't fit in, but you found a place where you fit perfectly. He big old dude. I was going to tell him stay down on that bottom step right now. you. <laughs> this is what you need to see. You need to see somebody loving your pastor. You need to see somebody that encourages your pastor. You need to see somebody that wants your pastor to be everything that God wants him to be. And you need to know, you need to know that your pastor is humble enough to submit himself you know, we, we have an expression at home. When you think you're really good at somebody, as good at something, find you somebody that's expert at it and submit yourself to them. Right? To the tutelage. This isn't about sonship and fatherhood. This is about tutelage and mentoring and connectedness and divine connections. That's what this is about. I don't run around the country looking for sons and daughters. It's <laughs> too many of them. Too many of them. But I do look for divine connections. And I found one with this man right here. That's the reason I'm here. And I'm going to stop talking about how thuggers your wife must have been before she got saved. I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to make that commitment. Now from now that, that on, she just, she just passed her. <laughs> But you guys have been able to produce some wonderful children obedient children alright boy you can keep the, you can keep that money uh, and I do owe you before I go I definitely owe you look at this guy right here though I love you man I do I do love you you need to know that that, um, that you've been nothing but a blessing taking care of your pastor making sure that everything was straight with me that I was okay and that you guys were doing what you got to do but then I met Mufasa. <laughs> That's why I was really worried about you last night going home so late. Because I knew Mufasa was there waiting on you. And these are the people that make things go and make things happen administratively, gubernatorially. There are gifts of administration. These are spiritual gifts. Gifts of government. You don't look at some people because they do the natural things of being natural. Those natural things are spiritual. And so you need to remember that. So I thank you and thank all of you. Those of you that have served me with my Wakanda. And you, girl, I love you too. I like your whole look. This your wife? Yes, uh, Wakanda forever. (laughs) So my point in saying all that is the people that I've met, the worship leaders with well, my girl that was singing that song that were really going in on that song I took a video of you and sent it um, to one of my uh, worship leaders and you and I sent it and I said well if they come in in March we might want to involve them and in, in want to worship one night because it the, the looks like the, I got a call yesterday uh, for the last night of the conference. I've got Fred Hammond Hezekiah Walker Donnie McCLurkin and uh, Marvin Sapps uh, might come in and, and do that last night for us. Uh, now it's, it's, it's going to be a fee for it. I don't know, I don't charge, but it's what they're doing. they're doing a tour, but they like I'm on Fred Hammond's board and stuff. So they like coming to our church. Hezekiah preached for all those guys. and um, all of them. Marvin helped Marvin Sapp get started in, in his Hebrew and his Greek. And so I do know a little bit of Greek, a little bit of Hebrew. The little Hebrew runs the pawn shop, the Greek runs the sandwich shop. <laughs> I, I know little